0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Oh, what a show we got for you today. First off, I'm having a little bit of fun. I have to admit it. I'm having a little bit of fun. The Donald Trump interview is getting so much of the woke media a little more woke. They're up in arms about what he said. The fact that I did the interview, they've been personally attacking me. Heck, even Jimmy Kimmel got in on it last night. I guess he didn't have something funnier to talk about because he's not that funny anymore. So he decided to pick on me and the interview I don't mind at all, because tonight I'm going to respond in kind, not because I'm funny, but because I'm a reporter with facts. He suggested there was no basis to this idea that there was a $3.5 million transaction between Elena Batarina, the Russian oligarch in London, and a company associated with Hunter Biden. We're going to prove Jimmy Kimmel wrong. It won't be a laughing matter, but it will be fun to do anyways. But check that out later tonight. I think we'll have that up on the website, hopefully by the morning. Now, We've got a great show for you, Congressman Austin Scott, who I'm a big fan of. I just think he gives us a great sense of the pulse of Congress, the pulse of the country, the pulse of the conservative movement. He's here. We're going to talk about everything. Nothing's off limits. We may ask him about Madison Cawthorn, who's had a couple rough days making allegations, whacking away from them, getting counseled by Kevin McCarthy. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but we also want to talk about Russia, the war, America's reliance on enemies when we don't need the decision that Joe Biden just made a few minutes ago to release millions and millions and millions and millions of barrels of oil from our strategic reserve, which, by the way, are really kept for times of war. makes you a little worried. We're seeing instability. He wants to dump it out just to lower prices rather than ramp up production in the United States. You figure that one out. We're going to cover all that with Austin Scott. And then we had an amazing interview last night. Carrie Lake, who's a former journalist. You know, I'm still a journalist. She was a former one. She used to practice what I do. She was a very respected anchor in the Phoenix market. She's running now as the Republican gubernatorial candidate in the state of Arizona. Amanda and I had a great interview with her. She said something. She made a commitment. She put it on tape that on her first day as governor, if she were to be lucky enough to be elected as Arizona governor, she's going to do something dramatic about the border. Not small, historical. We're gonna play that interview so you can hear her promise, hear why she's doing it, what she has in mind. Maybe she'll encourage other gubernatorial candidates to start to get behind the same concept. Check it out. That'll be the second interview today. All right, why waste any more time when you've got Austin Scott and Carrie Lake sitting in the wings? Let's do a quick commercial break here from our great advertisers and sponsors. We'll come right back. First up, Congressman Austin Scott from the great state of Georgia. Newsy interview, as always, I'm sure. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. So glad to have this next guest joining us again. Every time he comes on, we learn something about the world, about America, about things that the media aren't talking about that we should be talking about. Joining us from the great state of Georgia is Congressman Austin Scott. Congressman, great to have you on today.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, John. You
0: were on a few weeks ago as the uh, Ukraine-Russia conflict was just beginning. uh, And you said something a lot of people weren't saying. Now everybody sees it. We are on the cusp of not only a a global crisis, a food crisis. We were going to have problems with fertilizer, food. Uh, You have some new developments on that, some reports that Russia is going to be cutting off seed, which could really affect the world. Talk a little bit about how Russia's domino effect is going to affect us later this year.
1: Yeah, so so you know, for the most part when when we think about sunflowers in in the US, we uh maybe we buy a little sunflower oil, maybe when we're you know uh filling up with $4 a gallon gas, now we uh we buy a small bag of sunflowers seed <laughs> right? uh to to eat and uh but what people need to know is that across the world, sunflower and sunflower oil is a big big food item for the majority of the people. And what Russia has recently done is, is a step even further away from from the norms, in that they are now issuing a ban on sunflower seed and rape seed export, which which uh, oil also comes from, uh, rape seed, and so they're actually issuing a ban on the seed supply for the world, wow. not not just you know the actual oil or the or the commodity that comes from it. And so again, just very dangerous territory, John, that we have not seen. Uh, they, in, in, in recent history, they are number one supplier of nitrogen in the world. Right. Uh, they in Belarus are number two and number three in, in potash. And, and the thing that, that America's got to learn from this, and the rest of the world's got to learn from this, is we cannot allow ourselves to become dependent on countries that do not share our interests or our values in anything, whether it be energy or whether it be food or whether it be pharmaceuticals or, or our economy. And um you know it doesn't mean that you can't have some trade back and forth, but there's a difference in trade that you're able to get a, a, a square deal on and, and dependence.
0: Yeah. And and we got sleepy on that both with China and Russia. There are lots of places. I don't think Americans know that we have an snor- enormous interdependence with Russia. Uh, we saw it with the oil and gas, and you know we had a scramble to try to make up that two or three percent of our energy supply. Twenty percent, or one fifth, of all uranium that powers our nuclear reactors comes from Russia now because of some deals that the Biden Obama administration made back in the early two twenty ten twenty fifteen period. But there's another one that I know you focus on because it involves our ability to get satellites and and to do control space uh, rocket engines. Talk a little bit about why that puts America at such a disadvantage right now.
1: Yeah, so so for years we, we were we had. Uh because of bad policy inside the U.S., become dependent on Russians' rocket engines to launch the satellites that we're dependent on into space. And so fortunately, because of the private sector uh, stepping in now, we're not nearly as dependent on those rockets from Russia. But uh, again, uh, because of bad policy that says you can't mine, you can't manufacture, you can't do all of these things inside of the United States uh or 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 the cost of the bad rules and regulations of of manufacturing those those items inside the United States we literally had become dependent on russia for for rocket engines to launch the satellites and so fortunately there's there's the private sector and um uh capitalism saving- saving America and the world again uh that, is, that has come come about and now you see uh Musk and others who are who are these great uh entrepreneurs. That have provided an avenue that allows us to launch satellites without ha- having to have the Russian uh, rockets. But, you know, just again, John, it, it's, it's, a, it's an area where, because of bad policy, we in the United States have become dependent on a country that, that does not share our interests or our values. Yeah,
0: it's it is remarkable, and you know, I', I funny. I was down in Georgia shortly after uh, I interviewed last time, and someone came up to I heard the interview and said, "You know, Congress has got he's got so much common sense. Common sense is what we want in our political leaders." You look at the Biden administration after all of the awakening that occurred from the Russia conflict. That oh my God, we have these interdependencies. We, uh, we've given Putin geopolitical advantage over us. His response to it isn't to ramp up our own energy supply or to turn to Canada. It's all right, let's dump out the emergency reserves we have and maybe we can get some oil from Venezuela and Iran, almost going back to the failed playbook of let's go to our enemies and not use our internal strengths to win this supply battle Do you think there's a moment where Congress wakes up in a big way and says, listen, we're too dependent on China, too dependent on Venezuela, too dependent on Russia. We're going to insource, create a manufacturing renaissance, an energy renaissance like we had under President Trump. Do you think Congress is ready for that
1: moment? I I think America is ready for that moment. And I think that in November, the Americans are going to go to the polls and I think they're going to vote for that moment to happen. And then the question is, uh, will the current team in the White House actually accept that moment? And so if you look back at, at what happened in the last election, I mean, no, nobody thought President Trump had a chance, right? Yeah. Did not have a chance. And yet Democrats, Republicans and independents went to the polls and voted for him. And because he he was talking about uh, American innovation, American jobs, American ingenuity, uh, and, and look how how much progress we were making during the first two years of his administration, and then COVID hits, and we and we take this huge step back. But right. but that America is still there, and so I think that America goes to the polls in November. I think they vote overwhelmingly for, for Republicans to take the House and the Senate, and then we will have to, John, use uh, the appropriation measures to force the uh, Biden administration to undo their bad policy and 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 accept good policy that will. We'll hopefully be able to put in. We will be able to put in to the appropriation riders. So I, I, I believe in this country. I think the vast majority of Americans believe in this country. And you, you know, November is coming, and and we're going to fix some of this stuff. Uh, with regard to the, the the oil and and tapping the reserves, I, you know, if if I'm cutting the grass, and and my main tank goes empty and i turned the switch to the reserve tank it means i better be looking yeah for somewhere else right to 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 get my fuel for for some more fuel i should say i i i want to i want to get that fuel from someone who's a friend of mine and and we can produce it right here in america i mean all all he's got to do is is undo his anti-energy policies and and yet he just he refuses to do it and so in a way He's making it worse because if you tap the reserve today, that means that reserve won't be there tomorrow. And who knows what's going to happen across the world with the current war that's going on. That's
0: it. We're literally making a very risky bet. This is a game of Russian roulette, no pun intended.
1: No pun intended. Yeah,
0: because, uh, you know, this is supposed to be there for times of war, a huge crisis. And that's right. We're doing it for convenience because we cut off our own energy supply. And I just keep scratching my head saying, where is the common sense? I think we found it when we talked to you. That's the good news.
1: Yeah, When you burn through the reserves, you don't have the reserves, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and so, whether it's a storm or a war, and we are in a war right now, that's I think, right. I think everybody realizes that. Yep.
0: Yeah, no, so true in many ways. Do you see this as a mandate election? You know, they don't come around very often. 1980 was a mandate election. Is this a mandate election where America speaks with such clarity that the agenda and the silliness of Washington really gets pushed back in a way that only can happen maybe once in a generation?
1: I think so I mean it, it happened in twenty ten uh the Democrats kept doubling down on on their agenda that's at the right. stage, and uh we won an unprecedented number of seats in twenty ten i think I think that uh the same thing happens here in in November that's obviously up to the voters, but the Democrats keep doubling down on their their anti american anti energy anti uh food policies and you know john if you're uh, if you're getting up in the morning and going to work your pay raises are not offsetting the increased cost of living in this oh, country. You're running backwards you're, right now. Yeah. If you're retired and living off your social security or your retirement plan, you're not you're not even getting the wage increases. And so I I mean if if you if you look at what the cost of basic necessities have done just in the last 18 months since President Biden has been um not even 18 months since he's been sworn into office. There's a tremendous amount of damage that's been done to working Americans. And and those working Americans are going to go to the polls in November. And uh we as the Republicans if we're given the privilege to to govern, we're we're going to turn on American energy. We're going to turn on American innovation and we're going to um you know, get American get America back back to work.
0: Yeah. That's what we're all craving for. I want to turn to something that's inside the House of Congress right now. Uh, and I, I think you're uniquely qualified because you entered politics at a very young age. I think you were like 26 or 25 when you won your seat in the Georgia House of Representatives. There's a young congressman from North Carolina that has had a very troubled tenure. Uh, Madison Cawthorn, and yes, this week or recently, he just made some new allegations that he's been backpedaling from about cocaine fueled parties in Congress. Um, Your thoughts on the damage that Madison Cawthorn has done to himself and and to the larger Republican Party with making things that he now acknowledges were unsubstantiated?
1: Yeah, he made extremely serious accusations when he said that he witnessed uh, a member of Congress uh, doing cocaine. Uh, that's obviously a felony. It needs to be fully investigated. If the if the accusation is found to be true, then, then that member needs to be disciplined. And, and we have had members found to be doing that before. Absolutely. And those people have been expunged from Congress. On the other hand, if it's not true, and as you said, he's going back and forth on it now, then Mr. Cawthorn uh, candidly needs to be disciplined for making a false accusation. Yeah,
0: it's, it's another thing. And he's really seemed to struggle. I thought Leader McCarthy did more than just a political act yesterday. There seemed to be a little fathering going on there with, uh, with him, an older politician reminding a young person, just because you're young doesn't mean you violate the rules of Congress or you you get crazy. Do you think Kevin McCarthy has handled this uh, well, given the, the, uh, the issues that are are at hand with Madison Cawthorn?
1: I think it is in Congressman Cawthorn's court to make a public apology, a public acknowledgement that it was a false statement. And, As I said before, if he does not do that, if he maintains it as his true statement, then the accusations that he made uh, need to be fully investigated. And if it's found to be true, the member needs to be disciplined. And if uh, if he uh, does not publicly retract his statement and the investigation shows that his accusations were not true, then I think I think. You know, Mr. Cawthorne should be disciplined for making the false accusation. So e- either way, John, I think there should be a full investigation of what he has said unless he's willing to publicly acknowledge that it wasn't true.
0: Accountability, something we used to have a lot in Washington. We don't get it that often, but it's clear that's what you're calling for. Accountability one way or the other, whichever way the facts fall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we need more of that here. And it's I think people will find what you just said very refreshing. They might not find this as refreshing. It seems as though President Biden is on the cusp of repealing Title 42, which will add to an already extraordinarily overburdened southern border. We had a story the other Mm -hmm. day that CPB is seeking urgent volunteers to go down and send an army because they're expecting a crush on top of the crush we already have. Your thoughts on the border and what Title 42's repeal might do to it.
1: Well, first and foremost, I mean we we should most Americans want the wall to be built. They understand that we have to have border security. Uh this isn't about being mean. This is about, you know, protecting the integrity of, of the United States borders. And uh that should have the the Biden administration should have never stopped the construction. You know, uh under the Trump administration, we we had to fight tooth and nail to get it started right. and to and to make progress with it. Uh, the issue with Title 42 is that if you're seeking asylum uh, because you're because you're being persecuted in your home country, you shouldn't be coming through three or four or five other countries to get to the U.S. to seek it. You should be seeking it in in your bordering country, and so it's 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 been abused, and the lifting up of it is going to just make it worse, and. It is again. It's just an indicator of just how out of touch you know, this White House is with where the American citizens are, and and how controlled they are by a far left group of people that represents a very very small minority of this country. Yeah.
0: Yeah that's really really true it's really remarkable and i think people I, I think you've said this many times and many of your colleagues now use the line the open border has made every state in the country a border state uh, sure. everybody's feeling the the impact in terms of crime and social safety net cost and yet it seems to be uh, the democrats mission to accelerate it not to slow it down
1: Hey John let me mention one other thing, things that if i can Rem- remember they're 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 dispersing the people through the throughout the country and then you've got States like California and New York and other areas where in municipal elections, they're allowing non-citizens to vote. Yeah. So, I mean, how does that work?
0: It's a head-scratcher, isn't it? Yeah.
1: That's just not right. Yeah. And and the fact that the Democrats are are allowing this to continue to happen, I think they're going to revolt. I think think American citizens are going to revolt against this in, in the November election, regardless of what party they're in. This isn't about being mean or or anything else. This is about protecting the integrity of of the United States, the Constitution and our and our democracy.
0: Yeah. And there's history on this. You know, I'm old enough to remember I was the young reporter at the Associated Press back in 95 and 96. that broke the story about the Clinton Gore team trying to accelerate naturalizations of immigrants in the country to get as many of them registered to vote and legal to vote in 96. So the Democrats have long seen immigrants as sort of a machinery to getting more people in for voting. Uh, and now you see, you know, whether it's uh, San Francisco, New York City, uh, Maryland has several communities that have done it. They want to make non-citizens vote, or at least in uh, local elections. In your state, uh, Secretary of State Rasenberger, uh, there's already a law against it, but he's arguing mm-hmm. that it, it, you should get a constitutional amendment, ingrain this in the Constitution that only citizens vote in Georgia. What do you think about that? Is that a good move to make it a higher threshold to reverse this somewhere down in the future?
1: Yeah, that's a you know I, I would I would obviously if I was still in the state legislature be supportive of that to, to put in the constitution. But John, who would have thought that you actually needed a constitutional amendment to say that? Isn't it amazing? Uh, you, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that it needed to be in there. Uh, I will tell you though, Secretary Raffensperger, I'm disappointed in in, sure. in in his conduct. Yep, a lot of people are during the last election. Yeah, and it it is. You've heard me say this, you know, Barack Obama got 85,000 absentee ballots in the state of Georgia. Joe Biden got 850,000 absentee ballots in the state of Georgia. Uh, the governor's election before the last presidential, I think Stacey Abrams got about 135,000 absentee ballots in the state of Georgia. And so I just don't believe that those numbers could, could have happened without ballot harvesting. Yeah. And it was his responsibility to stop it. Yeah. Well
0: belatedly there's an investigation which i guess is good news but it doesn't you know, there's no way to go back and fix the 2020 election now it's over it's gone it's done and um and that is a, an extraordinarily mo- lost um a moment I want to ask you about this because in in order to make ballot harvesting possible, you had to have mass mailing of ballots and loosen up all of the absentee rules. and uh, while that's going on now, and uh, you know people are trying to put that toothpaste back in the tube for this next election, Arizona, which kind of went early on to no-excuse absentee ballot. Now they want to go back, like, this hasn't worked. We don't like this. We want to go back to traditional voting. Is there a lesson for the rest of the country in what Arizona is thinking about doing now, abandoning no-excuse absentee ballots and trying to go back to the way we should all vote, you know, in person when we can?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't don't have a problem with people going in and, and, and voting early. Right at the polls right. in person uh with the same driver's license that you or or state ID that you have to show to buy Sudafed uh great point but to just be able to mail in the ballots i mean you you should have to have an excuse i mean we, i mean it can be broad enough that you know senior citizens you know people with disabilities certainly people in the military that are uh, going to be out of town i mean if if in person vo- if in person voting is not reasonably available to somebody then an absentee ballot should be, should be available for them. But if, it, but if it's not, they, they should have to go to the polls to vote.
0: Yeah. Listen, the rest of democracies around the world have no problem doing it. In fact, they modeled it after us, and now they're scratching their heads like, what's going on with America? It doesn't make any sense. It's That's that right. pretty remarkable. Last thought, the president just released his um, defense budget. Obviously, we're in a moment where uh, the world is probably more unstable than we've seen in a long time, and we're not sure where it's going what did you think of the president's overall budget? Uh, and are we putting our money in the right places when you see Russia and China with hypersonic missiles potentially and uh, non, non conventional warfare expanding? Do you feel good about the budget or do you think the president missed his mark on it?
1: Well, two things I would tell you on that. One is I'm glad that he acknowledged that they have been wrong in, in, in their attempts to reduce military spending in the past. I mean, let's not, let's not forget. Sure that the Democratic Party has been pushing to reduce spending on national security. And, and now they realize that that is not politically popular, and so he's come out with an increase that, that candidly won't keep pace with inflation. And so, you know, John, a, a, a couple of things that I think we need to focus on. We need to look at countries like uh, Georgia and other countries in Europe that want the additional weapon systems, and we need to partner with them in in long-term uh, Uh, contractual mechanisms and funding mechanisms where we as the American citizens get a, get a better deal for our dollars because they're paying for a lot of the equipment that we would be sending into the European theater. So I very much want to see us uh, expanding the partnerships with, with countries like Georgia that share our interests, they share our values and, and making sure that we get them the weapon systems they need and they're willing to pay for them. They are. And so, and so, and so let's share the cost. Um, with our European allies, you've got you've got countries like uh, Germany now that are finally saying, hey, we, we actually do need to do our two percent, which if you go back and remember, that's what Trump was pushing for a few that's years ago, was. saying yep. everybody, you know, Russia's a threat. We need to be making sure that we're prepared to defend against them. And then we also need to look at things from a, a partner centric purchasing system so if we decide that for the european region for our nato area that we need uh, 10 additional de- destroyers for example and if we decide that the u.s is going to buy five and germany is going to buy a couple and britain's going to buy a couple and another country's going to buy one then we need to be able to go to the shipbuilders and say we we want to sign a contract for 10 ships and 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 get a better deal than we're currently getting by buying one per year for example and and just like if you go to buy a car uh you can in in the old days anyway you could get a better deal if you were going to buy a fleet of vehicles instead of the, an individual right. we need to find a mutually beneficial contracting arrangement for our NATO partners and and other countries that share our interests and our values and candidly we can pay less and the people that are actually selling us the equipment, it cuts their costs to give them a consistent, you know, purchase. It, so does. it can be a win, win, win situation. And, and that's what I hope uh, as it comes before us, we're able to get more, more for the U.S. tax dollar. Yeah, I think everybody's rooting
0: for that. Uh, you mentioned President Trump. I just want to ask this question because my interview with him earlier, so week got a lot of attention for something else. But he actually talked a little bit about the future of national security in America and uh, specific, I asked him about China because we're focused on Russia, but China's uh, watching everything and looking at how it's going to get its advantage. And I asked him, Is there room for a NATO in the Pacific, a Paidu, a Pacific alliance? In the, mm-hmm. in the, uh, and he said, e- Either that or we extend NATO's mission, but we've got to have a stronger military alliance. We have to build on the Quad, which he started when he was president. Do you think Congress is thinking that way, that we've got to create greater deterrence in the Pacific? You saw China say, we're going to build as many islands as we want in the South Pacific. Is Congress, you think, ready to realize it uh, or or to make some sort of alliance in the Pacific that's stronger than what we have right now?
1: Absolutely. And so you've got you've got countries like Japan, countries like Australia. Australia has fought with us in every single war that we have ever been in, by the way. You've got uh, countries like India that um, are continents like India, I should say. We have more people over there that share our interests and our values than, than are aligned with China, and, and those are the countries that we need to be focused on. And again, it's another another area where uh, we don't have to foot all of the bill as the United States. We, we need to be partnering with those those countries, uh, continents in some cases, that share our interests and our values and and have those alliances that you know he was talking about. You know, we're stronger together. And, and we're going to fight by, with, and through uh, our our partners. And so let's go ahead and, and, and develop the systems and the strategy uh, that revolves around the way we're going to fight.
0: Yeah, so smart. So much common sense. Congressman, it is always an honor to have you on the show. You always bring lots of news and wisdom. And I want to thank you for your time today.
1: Hey, thank you, John. All right, sirs. Have a good day. Chairman
0: Mike. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to play an interview we did last night with Carrie Lake, the governor, gubernatorial candidate in Arizona. She had something profound to say about the border. You're not going to want to miss it right after this commercial message. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time, go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity, in your home. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Hey, we're going to do something from last night's television show. You know it, just the news, not noise. I get the great opportunity to sit alongside the amazing Amanda Head, who's one of the greatest journalists, really just a great questioner, interviewer, thought leader. We had Carrie Lake on. She's a former TV journalist, sort of like us guys. And she is now running for office in Arizona to be the next Republican governor of Arizona to succeed. Governor Ducey there and she has talked you know courageously about election integrity she's not afraid to have that conversation a lot of republicans are squeamish about it not her but she's also been one of the most salient voices on the border and not just throwing up their hands saying we can't do anything until we get Joe Biden out she has some ideas and last night on our tv show we wrapped up with her and she got right down and put something on the table. On day one, if she's elected Arizona governor, she told us what she's going to do. We want you to hear that next. Listen to this. it's A lot of fun. We're so glad to have this last guest with us today when we were down at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump. He couldn't stop talking about her. She's the Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake. Carrie, great to have you on the show.
2: It's so good to be here, Amanda and John. Thanks for
0: having me on. Well, we love it. We want to talk all the issues that you've been bringing up. You're not afraid to talk about election integrity, You're not afraid to talk about what's really going on at the border. And I want, to, I want to read you something that just came off of Just the News just a few minutes ago. Senator John Cornyn said, there's a tsunami coming to Arizona. I don't think he was referring to the weather. He's talking about that crush of humanity that's going to collide at the border the second Joe Biden lifts, Title 42. What's your concern about what, where the president's about to go?
2: Well, we already have a tsunami at our border with this invasion, and it truly is an invasion. I know the left wants to ignore it and act like it's not happening. I've been to the border. I've seen it with my own eyes several times. And that is nothing compared to what's about to hit us when Title 42 is pulled away. And it's so typical of Joe Biden and his administration, their America last policies since day one. We were down at the border and we saw people pouring across. Now, when President Trump was in office, this didn't happen. He got that wall moving. He made sure the Remain in Mexico policy was in full force. And Joe Biden pulled that on day one. And I don't know that the people of Arizona are ready for it. I'm concerned that our current governor, Doug Ducey, is not doing enough. He needs to get troops down on the border. He needs to have armed troops on the border. And we need to start pushing people back and not allowing them to come in. We can't absorb the world's problems. And unfortunately, our governor has been weak on the border. He needs to be stronger, especially if this Title 42 is pulled because we're gonna have an avalanche of people and Arizona is gonna have to deal with uh, the brunt of that problem.
1: Carrie, while we're talking about the border uh, with with President
2: Joe Biden in office, if you win the governorship, what can you do as governor
1: of Arizona, uh, not including the federal government, What can you do to protect your own state?
2: Well, we can protect our own border. The Constitution allows that. Of course, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, the Guarantee Clause requires that the federal government protect us from invasion. But they are not doing that. It's a dereliction of duty on Joe Biden's part. So Article one, Section 10 allows for the state to step in and protect their citizens when there is imminent danger and an invasion, which there is currently on our border. So we're going to take it into our own hands. We're going to finish President Trump's wall on day one. I will issue a declaration of invasion. We're going to send our troops down to the border, Arizona National Guard troops. We're going to arm them and allow them to arrest and detain people until we process them and send them back over the border. It's pretty simple. You protect your people and that needs to be done. And right now our government's failing on that and the states are going to have to protect our border. I think we can get help from other like-minded states. The other red states, they're all border states right now if you think about it. We can get those other states to sign an interstate compact with us. We can pool our resources and our knowledge and we can protect this country from the invasion that's happening at the border. When, When this thing is pulled, when Title 42 is pulled, We are going to see an invasion here on our homeland unlike we've ever seen before. Since the founding of this country, we will have an invasion right here at home. While Joe Biden has his sights set abroad over in Ukraine at their border, we've got a major issue here. Yeah, it's
0: amazing that we're willing to help that country protect its border while leaving ours wide open, it's just crazy. Gary, you were such a successful journalist. You had the trust of your audience, the trust of your colleagues. You jump into politics and then all of a sudden you watch the mainstream media try to jump into it any different way they could. How frustrating is it that the media won't give uh, an honest shake to the issues that really the people of Arizona, the people of America care about, particularly election integrity. You've been fearless in addressing the issues. You're moving that debate in your state. Uh, What do you think uh, the media is done wrong? And do you think there's ever a moment where they say, you know what? We went off the rails and we gotta get back to the way we used to be.
2: It's shocking. I mean, there's no curiosity with the journalists. And I I get it, it's the bosses. It's the bosses telling them don't cover that story and and don't cover it fairly. And then of course you have a bunch of corrupt journalists as well. They're leftists, They, they don't care that the election was stolen because their guy won, I should say won. And the problem is that we need to look out for our elections We need to get to the bottom of the 2020, and and we're not doing this just for 2020, we're doing it for every election moving forward. I wanna know that my children, my grandchildren, when they vote in the future, have honest elections, but we'll never have honest elections if we try to sweep 2020 under the rug. That election was corrupt, and we had establishment politicians who knew it was corrupt, they allowed it to happen, and then they certified a corrupt, fraudulent election. And we have to fix that. I hear a lot of people, John, saying, oh, let it go. It's, it's causing just a lot of chaos by bringing it up all the time. Well, no, they caused the chaos by cheating. They caused the chaos and now we've got to fix the damage. And stolen elections have serious consequences. Unfortunately, we in Arizona are feeling it more than I believe in other states. Not only do we have the inflation, we can't afford our groceries, our gasoline, we can't afford rent. And now we've got an invasion at our border that is uh, causing people to die from fentanyl poisoning. It's just horrendous what's happening. So if we don't deal with that election of 2020, we're going to have to continue to feel these consequences of the stolen election. And I had a vote that was stolen. They gave me a Sharpie and they never should have given us a Sharpie. We found out that that was true. That was a problem. They gave me a ballot that was uh, that was not aligned properly and they adjudicated my vote. So somebody else decided who I voted for. And you know what? I've got a real problem with that. So I'm doing this for myself, for my children, for my grandchildren, every other Arizonan whose vote was taken from them. We've got to have fair elections. or the people we vote into office will never make it there. We'll never get all of the issues we have fixed. Carrie, uh, we know
0: if you're in, this won't be swept under the rug. We're going to get to the truth. No, uh, we thank you so much for joining us.
2: Find Love at First Drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So grateful that you could join us. So happy that we could have Congressman Austin Scott on. I'll tell you, every time we talk to him, there's just a level of Common sense of understanding what people really want. None of the ivory tower baloney that goes on in Washington D.C. He's grounded. He has common sense. He can call out his own party, like Madison Cawthorn. He can call out Joe Biden with equal vigor because I think he just wants to be a common sense leader in America. I think people want more of that in Washington. They're tired of the elitism. They're tired of the dishonesty. They're tired of the dirty tricks. They want the people's business to be done, and I. Every time I think of Congressman, we have him on, he really is focused on doing the people's business. I thought that was a really great interview, really exciting conversation to have. And of course, yeah, everybody's going to remember what Carrie Lake said last night. If she's elected governor in November, and she's got a long way to go, got to win the primary, got to get in there. But if she's elected governor, she just made a commitment you just heard. She's going to sign a declaration of invasion and send our troops to the border as a governor. That is a pretty big deal, and you heard it here, and I wanted you to hear that before we wrapped up the day today. So I want to thank you for listening, staying for that. I thought it was a great moment, a newsy moment, in the course of our TV show last night. Now, join in tonight if you want to check out the TV show tonight. We've got a good one. Yes, the governor of the great state of South Dakota. Christy Nome is on. That's right. Christy Nome is in the house today. That is a big interview. She was on the podcast a couple months ago, made a lot of news, so much to talk about with the governor. By the way, she's speaking next weekend at the Reagan Library. That's a big deal. People go to Reagan Library tend to run for president. I just want to point that out. Just keep that in the back burner we are also got some other great guests on, including Congressman Troy Nels and Congressman McClintock from the great state of California. Tune into the show. How do you do that? You go to Real America's Voice, Channel 219. If you got Dish Network satellite television, it's Channel 240. If you use the internet-based Pluto television network, it's on Roku. It's on Apple. It's on Samsung. It's on all of the streaming devices. And if not, yeah, I got another way you can watch it. You can just download the Real America's Voice app, watch us anytime, or I'll even make it easier. You're Just the News fans, right? Just download the Just the News app from the iOS store or the Android Google store, and you can hit the watch button down at the bottom of the app. It'll take you to the TV page. You can watch Amanda and I all day long. You can binge watch. You can watch the day of the show, whatever your heart desires. But a great show tonight. You're not going to want to miss Christy M, so check that out. I think it'll be a great show. Now, before we go, if you've been checking the economy lately, there is heartburn in the pit of your stomach, there is the Adam's apple choking up in your throat. Why? Because everybody kind of gets the sense that this economy is in a bubble that could burst at any moment. And you've worked hard for your retirement. You've worked hard to make sure that when you finally pack it in and say, I'm done, I'm retiring, I'm going to the ranch, I'm doing whatever, that you have a nest egg for you, your spouse, your children. Well, you don't want to put that at risk in a major recession or a major time of economic upheaval, which a lot of people are predicting. So, here is something that's pretty good. Our partners, our friends at Birch Gold Group, you know, we put fellow Patrick on here. I think he has some of the most insightful economic analysis you'll ever hear. Our audience loves when he comes on. We're not bringing him on the TV show when we can, but the Birch Gold Group does more than just give good economic interviews. They're in the precious metals business. They're there to give you a gold and silver option for your investment portfolio, and not just your everyday investment portfolio, specifically your retirement portfolio. I didn't know this until I met them, until we partnered with them. There are IRAs and there are 401ks where you can invest in gold and silver. Diversify your portfolio, protect yourself from the bursting bubble of the stock market if it were to come. And it's simple on how you get started. You don't have to know anything more than this. I made it even simple. You don't even have to go to the website. All you have to do is text the word "just news" to 989898, that's pretty easy, right? Text the word Just News to 989898, 98 98, 398. That's easy to remember. And Birch Gold is going to send you a no-cost, no-obligation info kit, 20-page kit. It's amazing. I got it. That's how I got educated. I downloaded the kit. Its comprehensive 20-page guide reveals how you can even convert your IRA or eligible 401k into gold and silver. That's something I learned and I'm in the process of doing right now. You do all this all under the umbrella of a tax-sheltered account. That's the great thing about 401ks and IRAs. Text the word right now, Just News, to 989898. You do it right now. You're going to get on this free info kit. You're going to learn it. You're going to get smart. You'll make your own decisions on what's best for you. But hey, a little gold and a little silver is a good idea to balance out your portfolio, particularly when economic times are as uncertain as they are today. So go check out my good friends at Birch Gold Group one more time. You just have to text the word Just News to 989898. That's it. Nothing more than that. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Buckle your seatbelt, get ready. We've got a great show tonight on TV. Check us out. and We'll be back tomorrow with another great show. Until then, if you get a news fix, you're hungry, you want to see what's going on in the world, check out justthenews.com 24-7. Download our app. That's a great way to experience all that we do, the podcast, the television show, the daily quiz, all the things that we have on that site. Check it out. And then we're going to be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Have a good night. God bless you. God bless this incredible country as he always has. I'm signing off. It's John Solomon. Good night. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane, like a tick bite.